God forbid Snoop Dogg was to pass away for any reason. Please don't ever say that. No, yeah. we don't mean it, Doc. <laughs> we don't mean it. Welcome to Profession Session with Brody Vinson. Got my guest, Devin Roberts, returning for another episode. Happy to be back, Brody. Happy to have you back, Devin. We are here today to talk about something a little bit different than sales. We're getting into another current passion of yours, yeah. NFTs. Absolutely. If you're making money, you have to have something to do with it. Investing in NFTs, that's exactly it. So let's start out maybe by just explaining for those who don't know, what is an NFT? Uh, an NFT, a non-fungible token, I think the best way of explaining it is a digital asset that you can purchase online with a lot of, of different online coins. Some some you can purchase with just like United States dollars, but most of them are purchased in Ethereum and Bitcoin and other coins like that. They're generally a digital asset like a piece of art, a game, a URL, something like that, that has intrinsic value. Kind of like a blue check mark you would have on Twitter or Instagram. It doesn't necessarily have any physical item related to it, but there's a lot of intrinsic value in it just for having it. Some kind of an them. intangible thing, but... Yeah, not, not all are necessarily intangible. Some will give you access to exclusive clubs and exclusive events, or maybe investment opportunities, or maybe just it's really impressive art from a famous artist. It's a lot of different things that can be attached to it. But the idea is, you know, we've been attaching different value to digital assets forever. You know, different albums are worth different more, different amounts depending on what artist they're with. We'll buy skins in video games like Fortnite or Call of Duty without even thinking about it. There are massive, and just, you know, the, I think where the NFT community really started was in the artwork aspect. There's a massive model in history to prove that people are willing to spend money on art that they find valuable, even if it's not something they can show in the actual physical world. I think you touched on a couple interesting things there that are some jumping off points. So the art thing is one thing, obviously. I think people who have a, a very basic understanding of what an NFT is know that there's a digital art aspect to it. But you also touched on the fact that there are a lot of other applications. Let's maybe touch on first the art thing and then kind of circle back to the other thing because the art thing to me is it's definitely a very important part of the NFT talk right now and a very important of what's part of what's going on. But I think what interests me in the long term a little bit more is just how broad the application is as a whole to everything that's going on. No, absolutely, absolutely. And NFTs, I tell people not to get too attached to the name non-fungible token. I believe the name's going to change for what this is actually categorized as over time. Think of it more like digital assets almost in a way. It's almost a, a, a classification of digital assets. The idea is inevitably everything can become an NFT. The real value behind an NFT is based on its smart contract. So art is fantastic. Beautiful NFTs is a lot of what got the community going. But the idea behind it is how it was made, how many of it was made, and what it can do for you is trackable through something called a smart contract. So for example, if I made a piece of art that was a one-of-one one generated only one ever minted of its kind from my account, there's a way through smart contracts that I can prove that to the future buyer and the buyer after that and 10 buyers down the road. Or if it's a, let's say it's a car payment or a car history report, like a Carfax report you would be able to get the history of a car, pass it on to the next homeowner or the next NFT holder, and so on and so forth, and continue to get the previous information minted on the blockchain, guaranteed user to user. They can gain value over time as it's transferred between these users, but the real aspect um, 
that makes it applicable so widely, I believe, is the fact that you can track everything that's happened with this NFT and everything that um, people have done with it since its creation. So you can see who it's gone to and for how much. And because of how the blockchain works, because it's a decentralized thing, it's a very legitimate chain of ownership that you can have a lot of confidence in. I think that's one of the big things that really just makes it such a a huge and kind of new thing. The decentralization aspect of the whole thing, and I think this is what a lot of people don't understand about NFTs or don't necessarily see. I like to use the example of, if you remember just a couple years ago, and some people on the podcast might too, when there was a giant boom in GameStop stock. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone who was using Robinhood and Coinbase and a lot of the bigger investment apps were, were unable to um, they had a lot of their aspects frozen during that time frame because it was being bought in such a large quantity that the app, specifically Robinhood, didn't want you to be able to buy any more in the market. Well, that's because it was a there was a centralized way you could buy it, and then a specific company had control over how much you could buy when it became too much. Right. The idea and behind people had a big problem with that because all right. of a sudden, if you had bought in big time, you were shut out. I remember this very well because right. I was following it. I Wrote it to a quick little 30 buck profit, actually. <laughs> wrote it to a quick <laughs> Luckily, little Luckily, I didn't dip my toes in too far because, like you said, it, there was a massive fallout for those people who were kind of riding that way. Exactly, exactly. And it, was, it wasn't a fallout of their fault in any way. It was a company stepped in and essentially crushed what they were doing with no real precedent for doing it and no real justification. Even since that's happened, they've made put steps in place to make it so it won't happen again. They realize how big of a mistake it was. But And even that being said, though, they lost a lot of confidence in their user base. A lot of people went to other apps and other systems for their investing because they were like, if this could, if this kind of thing could happen, why should I have confidence in my money being there? You shouldn't have confidence that with your money being in one of the centralized apps. That's the idea behind the decentralization platform. Not only is it being accepted by, you know, national organizations and national countries, the United States has laid out a cryptocurrency plan, but nothing that happens within those individual organizations, individual entities is going to affect cryptocurrency and decentralization to the same degree it would if it's directly tied to it. A lot of what happens in the American economy is directly tied to the American dollar, of course. So the American dollar crashes, your business crashes, and there's nothing you can do about it. But if your business is in NFTs and you're selling an Ethereum and Bitcoin with the I mean, an American economy, a crash hurts the world, as always, of course, but it's a significantly smaller hurt on you simply because you have your money in that and it's decentralized not, or, or globalized comparatively to uh, in a currency that has a much more volatile market that it's based in. Right. One thing I think <clears throat> we should probably do because we, you know, we should probably be wary of this before we get too deep on any one thing. But we have touched on cryptocurrency a couple times now. I think we should probably kind of double click in on crypto a little bit and just explain, give a little bit of context for those who might not be as familiar with it. I mean, everyone kind of knows the word cryptocurrency now, but just to explain a little bit more of what it is, yeah. you could get in on that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Cryptocurrencies are essentially a, a version of a smart contract that is attached to a decentralized value set. So the idea is the, the US dollar obviously has no necessary interest intrinsic value, it has the value that people put on it. And that value rises and falls when people's confidence in the US and the confidence in US's market. When a country um, economy crashes, its dollar loses value. Russia. Russia is, a great is the example best right example now. right now of that. Everyone's seen what's happened with Russia's economy. People lost confidence in Russia and their ability to play on the world market. So their economy crashed. Their Number. dollar is worth nothing right now. It's worth like a cent or a 
sent on a scent or something like that because there's just no confidence in Russia, the country. Exactly. And the, the number of dollars that are going in circulation didn't change, just the amount each individual one's worth. The idea behind Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general was to get a platform that decentralized that concept, that made it so that no one entity had control over financial transactions and the health of a specific financial token. And therefore, it would be significantly harder for that token to then fail. And if something has a very hard time failing and crashing and continues to grow because people are growing confidence in the fact that it can't fail and crash, it's very trackable like we talked about through the smart contracts, so everything's very on plain paper. Then that confidence grows, the value of that product grows, and I think over time people have realized they're in a much more volatile market being in even any kind of investment game, um, stocks, you know, any kind of just savings accounts, even real estate comparatively to crypto because it's just significantly less likely over a long time. I mean, I know we have big crypto crashes throughout the year. Everyone's going to be coming at me like, crypto crashes all the time. But over the over the next 15, 20 years, I think the, the return on investment you're going to see with crypto because of the way that decentralized platform works and Bitcoin respectively is where its value comes in comparatively to the other forms of investment that's kind of taken the space of. Now, do you foresee eventually, as many people know right now, the U.S. dollar is probably the closest thing to a standard currency worldwide that's been adopted. But I wouldn't even call it the standard worldwide currency. It's just the closest thing to it. Do you foresee cryptocurrency becoming kind of, I mean, obviously there's a number of different currencies when you say cryptocurrency, but do you foresee cryptocurrency becoming kind of the worldwide standard of currency because of how difficult it is for it to fail? Believe it or not, I really do believe we're already at that point because I don't think the I don't think mass implementation is the sign that gives you a guarantee of that. What the what the guarantee is is like if you just use cryptocurrency as a blanket word, everyone from the US government to MasterCard to Ukraine to every every major organization company, country, and the world is adopting laws, rules, regulations around cryptocurrency. And it's not, so it's not only something that like, you know, me and you are seeing as valuable on the level that we're at. It's, uh, it's at the highest level, the largest organizations of the world see the value in this. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like stocks and everything else. If people are continuing to see the value, then that says something. If you, if I went and did an interview with, you know, the thousand richest people I know and ask their confidence in the US dollar and their confidence in Bitcoin, I bet I get a more positive review about Bitcoin. I really do. That's an interesting take. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's really coming up the last couple of years. So um, getting back to NFTs, I think we kind of introduced the concept of them, right? I think it would be good for us to maybe walk through a couple examples because We've kind of privately off air talked about a few examples. I'll start with one really interesting one that that we've talked about that I know of, and that's uh, so. There's an author named Mark Manson, the author of a very popular self help help book, um, very popular self help book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, and uh, it's a book that I read a couple years ago and really had a huge surgence a couple years ago. He's since followed it up with a sequel and he is actually working on an nft project right now around that book where he you know the way that books work with a publishing company which it was done through is that the publishing company owns that book as a whole and the the rights to publish it and sell that book as it's published but 
the author actually owns the individual content within the book. So for example, a quote, uh, a title of a chapter, the author owns that. So he's creating a series of NFTs around the individual quotes that really were the most popular from the book and ideas that were most popular from the book. And he's actually making those available soon to be able to be purchased. So for example, you had one individual quote, he might make a hundred of them available. And those hundred purchasers would essentially have the rights to create some kind of merchandise and sell it around those quotes or that concept. So I think that's one really interesting example. I'm curious what some of the interesting examples that you've observed are. I think that example is a great example. One of the biggest reasons is it highlights what makes an NFT valuable. You would not want a cutout quote from a book for any reason. It would sit on your counter and you'd lose it. But if you knew you had the commercial rights to a quote from a book that you could prove and verify you own through the blockchain and then inevitably even sell for more money if you gained value toward that quote, I think that's a very big deal. So I think what people are missing with a lot of the NFTs right now is the utility that drives them. The, the most common example, the one that people expect us to talk about as best is the Board Ape Yacht Club. As far as the Board Ape Yacht Club goes, what they're doing is, you know, the buy-in price for the Board Ape Yacht Club was around $200,000. It was an extremely expensive club. They made contact and got um, partnerships with Universal Studios, actually, and a bunch of celebrities that work under them. So Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Justin Bieber, a lot of them have bought these. And now Board Ape Yacht Club has exclusive chat groups, exclusive events, exclusive meetups, all kinds of different things. And their initial utility value was um, networking, proximity to people. So, and uh, proof, of, proof of wealth. So it was the ability to store $200,000, $300,000, much more now that you could inevitably make a profit off of, assuming everyone else bought in as well. And they happen to be at a point where everyone bought in and they're networking um, the utility. That's the utility behind what they do more than any others. It's being a part of an exclusive club that you have to have the wealth and the notoriety or not notoriety. You have to have the wealth and the kind of status to be able to get into it. Another good example would be the UFC strike NFTs that we were looking at yesterday. The um, Ultimate Fighting Championship just released their first real set of NFTs, their Series 1 NFTs. And they essentially act somewhat similar to trading cards where there's a fighter and an incredible moment that they had. And that is an NFT where it's a beautiful digital piece of art that spins and shows the scene as it happens. And you own that scene when you buy the piece of art. Now, multiple people own it. There's multiple um, copies that are being sold in this specific case. But they release them like mystery prizes, like opening a pack of Pokemon cards. I think that's the best example. You open it and you could get one that's a Conor McGregor golden moment that will likely be worth a ton of money, not only because of its rarity, but because of who's on the card and what's going on. Basically a holographic Charizard. Exactly, a holographic Charizard. Or you could get an extremely common one that's maybe not worth as much value. But if you get an extremely common one and then that fighter goes on to become champion two years from now, the value of that on the initial release will go up massively. So you can get uncommon NFTs from fighters that you believe in early on in their career with the hopes that that will gain value over time due to how their career projections look. I think that's a great example. And to tie that in even further to people who may not be as familiar with with, uh, the UFC and with fighting, imagine, you know, a a crazy clip of Odell Beckham Jr. catching the one-handed touchdown pass that everyone knows. That's the, the best of. example. Oh yeah. my! How many, if you had the commercial rights to it, you'd pay 
ridiculous amounts of money. Just the right to say you own it is worth something. And if you bought that like a second after it happened originally, and then all of a sudden OBJ kind of blows up a couple of years later as this wide receiver that everyone knows and is now on a Super Bowl championship team, all of a sudden that might be worth some more. Or if you bought one the day after Tom Brady's final touchdown pass and it was his final touchdown pass ever that you bought for a crazy amount of money and then he unretired, then it's a worse investment. So it can go both ways. And the idea is it's kind of like, you know, stocks or anything else. It's about a lot about the knowledge of the person investing in the project, what they think they can do with it and projections on how valuable it's going to be in the future, the utility behind it. Another really good example that we've talked about before, and I'd like you to kind of elaborate on this because you had a really interesting take on it. I hadn't even thought of this, but the uh, the Spotify example that we've discussed a couple times, kind of the um, the ability to acquire maybe a, an exclusive song from an artist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the idea is if, let's say, you know, I like to use examples like J. Cole, Eminem, Taylor Swift. Think about your favorite artist, whoever it happens to be. They release a new album. It's the best album they've ever released. There's 12 songs on it. They're all over the radio. They're some of the most famous ever. And then they release a one-of-one 13th song from that album as an NFT. There's only one digital copy of it, only one MP3, and whoever buys it not only has the only copy of the song so they could hoard it for themselves, but also the commercial rights if they would like to publish it. That artist has now done the promotion for that NFT. How much value do you think is in that product? And that's really what you have to consider. It's not just selling commercial rights. It can be a million different versions of anything that's digital. Rights to get into an event like tickets, contracts like car payments, rights to, uh, to an actual product like a song, a digital game, digital um, 3D model. There's so many things that have this kind of value that we don't even consider. How much would you play for a blue check mark on your Instagram? You know, if you if you are listening to this and you wouldn't pay a four digit, five digit number for a blue check mark on your Instagram, you need to go listen to some other podcast first. <laughs> You're gonna make that back pretty quick. So quickly, yeah. just an authority. Exactly. And and just opportunity provided. So another example you made me think of, um, just as I've kind of gone down some rabbit holes on all of this stuff, and this is touching on even the metaverse a little bit. Ooh. But uh and we can kind of get in deeper with that if we want to. But um, the example I like to use to explain that that I think is really interesting is that um, Snoop Dogg, going back to it, we mentioned him before. <laughs> the D-O-double-G um, has a, a digital mansion that he's building within the metaverse, which is essentially, you know, the metaverse is a collection of different digital lands, digital worlds, so to speak, where you could go in and kind of walk around as a, a playable character or whatever. Um, that is kind of expanding as it goes along. And I think there will be some tie-ins with augmented reality and virtual reality to that. But Snoop Dogg is building a digital mansion within one of the metaverse worlds right now where people will be able to go and visit. And he's actually selling NFTs that are exclusive access passes to events that will occur in the future at that mansion like, for example like a private concert or a meet and greet or something and you they're get selling on snoop dogg's private guest list for an exactly. nft and they're selling for ridiculous amounts of money i mean i i did the math on it and what he's selling two that i could find i guess two different events one of them was sold out so i, I couldn't even see what the the sale price was because there wasn't any left 
but there was another one that had sold, I think maybe 1500 out of 5,000 copies so far. And each one was like a $1,500 NFT. I think my, I might be getting this wrong, but I think I did the math and saw that if he sold all of them, which it looks like he was on track to do, it's a quick $8 million just off of that one event. And I'll be honest with you, there's so many products with less utility than that. I've seen products, you know, they're just gorgeous art that sell a piece for well over $2,000, especially right after Mint. You can make royalties off all of this as well. That's something that people don't realize is Snoop Dogg sells this ticket and he puts a 5% royalty on it the way NFTs work in the marketplaces. If someone resells that ticket to someone else because you know now the event's more popping and more being talked about and worth more, then he makes a percentage off the royalties. So there's massive value for people who are good at growing brands, good at growing content, good at putting themselves out there in this NFT space as well. And I think that's a huge thing that you just touched on there. Not only does, and I tell me if I'm incorrect with this, I think this is how it works though. If he was to put a 5% royalty on it, he's actually going to get 5% in perpetuity kind of every time that it sells again. Yes. He and will, that's he because he created a smart contract that has that 5% tied in and it is literally tied to the actual product and traced back and it just happens automatically. Exactly. So you program the smart contract to get a 5% royalty. Usually it's through whatever um, marketplace you're using. So for, for example, the most easy one is OpenSea. You can set a royalty percentage on OpenSea. Using that marketplace, they take a percentage royalty. I believe OpenSea is 2.5 and then you can set a percentage. Let's say it was five, making for a total of 7.5. I mean, 7.5% of every sale will be taken away from the person who would normally get the money 2.5 will go to OpenSea and 5 will go to the original person who created that NFT. For artists, that puts money back into the artist or the creator of the music, say if it was a, a song or something of that nature. Or for someone like me and my NFT project, what I'm trying to do is I want to take the money that we get off of royalties and reinvest it into the community and projects that we're doing as a group. So I think for a lot of, a lot of people who have great projects, great startups and great plans and want, um, want to get investments moving with it, it's a great place to be able to present um, investments in an in almost um, Kickstarter-ish, um, GoFundMe, Indiegogo-style way. People look into these projects, they see what you're offering and what you're able to do, and then they can place almost cash bets on how they think it will succeed, how they think your team is, how they think your project's doing. It's a very, very good, low barrier of entry way to fund a business project or plan that you have going, whether that be a song that you're wanting to make, a podcast you're building, or a place you want to open locally. A lot of people are investing in NFTs right now, and it's very, very hard to give someone an NFT and then it lose its value without you then also losing your reputation. So I want to touch on that real quick um, before we go anywhere else. There's a lot of things going on in the NFT community right now. What happens is an NFT project releases, and once that project releases, the creators of the project, especially if they are anonymous, which seems to be very common on these projects, the actual name and face of the person doing the project is unknown. If they're anonymous, then people buy in, like you said, somewhere in the tune of five and eight million dollars. Well, some you know there are content creators who can make incredible-looking projects who don't really have much utility or more than anything much ethics behind what they're doing. Not so, much intrinsic value. No, really. no, some things have value as far as what they're projecting, but what happens is they wind up with five million dollars in their pocket and have never touched a business contract before or an LLC, and everyone's screaming at them over comments on social media to do better and do better and do better and hating them. And a lot of people haven't had to deal with any version of that before, so you're getting a lot of unvetted. Um, 
unvetted owners of these NFT projects. They're getting it started. So I think a big aspect right now, if you're looking to get into the NFT community to consider, is if you're looking to buy NFTs, when you're looking at a project, make sure the person that is actually running this project is a verified human being, You know that their reputation is somewhat tied to the project. If they leave the project, leave with your money, don't do what they say they're going to do, then their reputation within the digital space is on the line. Smart contracts are forever. Once it's happened once, it's very, very hard for them to get rid of that. And then two, if you're starting an NFT project, make sure you actually attach who you are to the project. It lends a lot to your credibility. If your project doesn't succeed and doesn't take off, then there's very, very little negative for attaching yourself to it. If it does take off, it's massive positive. If it takes off and you didn't put yourself out there and you didn't um, do it in the open and do it publicly, then people are very, very hesitant towards your project. They're very, very... Um, forward and an attempt to dox you and get your person out there. The Board 8 founders who had a fantastic project were anonymous for a very long time. And actually it was BuzzFeed who found them. They'd made a big article. It was like a big deal where they basically said, how can any of us hold these people accountable to what they promise if we don't know who they are? And they were uh, like an 18 and 20 year old programming student, something like that. You know, I don't know if they were 18 and 20 exactly, but relatively young programming students. They um, probably just never expected it to do quite what it did. And it seems that through through the partnerships that they've made, they've made a successful business of it, so it worked out for them. But the concept was that people were so freaked out about not knowing who had control of their millions and millions and millions of dollars. Understandably so. That even a company like BuzzFeed went and tracked them down to find their identity. So I think it's very good. I like to attach myself to my work, and I think people are, are thinking they can hide in the NFT community. You know, you can be you can hide behind um, the anonymity of the, the decentralization. I think that's a big, big mistake people are going to make early on. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying, and I mean, my kind of projection of, of how this sounds is that as people get their bearings and start to understand this a little bit more, if they're looking to get into an NFT project and invest in one, the anonymous founder is a huge red flag actually exactly. and it's something that likely will prevent someone from someone who's serious and has the experience and could actually lend some credibility and some growth to the project it'll probably prevent them from joining because it is such a big red flag i think the only reason it's going through right now is because the the community and the industry of nfts period is so new that people don't really know what to expect. Some people just take it as for granted because Board Ape Yacht Club did it, so a lot of other people are doing it. It's kind of what people expect. But now that we're you know a little bit more in and it's been a little bit more of organic growth in the community and it's more popular, people are realizing that there are a couple major red flags to look for when um, searching for a project, and that's absolutely the number one. Cool. Mm -hmm. uh, any other, well, I guess we could go over other red flags that you should look for because um, we're kind of in the vein of talking about, you know, what it might look like getting into an NFT project, right. investing for the first time. Maybe a good thing to start with would be what are the the red flags and what are the green flags to look for when you are thinking about getting into a project? So let me go through the first steps to getting into a project first, and then I can kind of walk us through the green and red flags throughout that process. So as you're getting into an NFT project, and the first thing you're going to have to do and you're going to have to realize is they're all sold on a marketplace. Think about it something like more like Facebook Marketplace or eBay. Anyone can list here, anyone can sell here, and they're setting their own price. So when you don't necessarily go on eBay 
and then just search eBay to find a good item on eBay. A lot of people try to go on OpenSea or Rarible or a lot of these other NFT project websites and find a good NFT to buy to get themselves in, and that's not the way to do it. You need to find a project that you actually really, really believe in, a creator who's putting something out, a artist that you really like, you know, utility that gives real value to you. You need to find something like that. That's what really is behind the UFTs or the NFTs more than anything else. So as you're going through the process, as you find your project, I think the best one that I've seen um, done so far was V Friends by Gary Vee. He made a bunch of tiny, basic little doodles, like, you know, doodles simple as I could do, and I'm not a fantastic artist, um, and put them out there as essential membership passes to different events and clubs and uh, meet and greets that he was doing. Um, and you found that because you were following Gary Vee, I assume? Exactly. I think there's a point in there about um, and kind of expand on this and give some more context, if you will. But it sounds like the the best way to find something is kind of following on maybe social media channels or or some kind of other outlet similar to that to find well, someone who's. I'm running. saying don't go shopping for NFTs. Uh, my dad could go and buy a V friend, and it's not going to be much value to him, except for maybe resale value, because. He's not necessarily interested in going to the meetups and the events and the networking aspects of it. So it doesn't have utility for him. He could try to resell it, but there's not specific utility in it for him if it loses its value. For me, if I got one of the V friends and the price dropped to $20, but it still had all the utility that it originally had, I could still go to the meet and greets, the events and everything else, it would have a crazy value to me personally. So that's something worth investing in, in my mind, because the project and the utility behind the project has value to me. Don't go shopping for utility. Figure out what you want and what you would need or what someone's offering, and then decide if their price is worth it. Once you do actually find a project for utility that you're interested in you know, buying for yourself, that you actually see value in, there's a bunch of things you can look for to determine those green and red flags. Biggest green flag is a actually vetted, docked, verified owner. You know that who they are, you know where they live, you know what they do as a person so that if they make a massive mistake, like your Gary Vee example. Exactly. You know who they are. A public entity has a lot easier time with this than maybe an unknown figure trying to start an NFT project. Some others are utility. Utility behind the project, their roadmap, what they're actually projected to do. A lot of these projects start with, you know, the concept of just having art. And that's fantastic. And they're selling, you know, their art and that's what they have behind it. But a lot of these projects are much more than actually the, the digital piece that they're selling. It's what they're doing within and for their community in the form of events, tickets, investment opportunities, things like that nature. So you definitely want to look for utility within someone's roadmap. Um, active Discord, Instagram, Twitter, social medias are always very important. I find most of it's on Discord. So sometimes I've seen social medias that are very, you know, lackluster where they only have six to nine posts on Instagram, you know, just showing off their art. That had fantastic mints. So I don't judge a book by its social media cover yet on the NFT community. And that's usually, that's a, that's definitely a hot take because normally you would want to judge them based on their social media stuff. It's such a new market. Um, we're in, what is it, March 2022 right now. So at least right now and for the next few months, I want to judge them based off their social medias. I think you really need to get into their websites and their discords and see a lot of the specifics of how their community interacts. What is Discord for those who don't know? If you don't know what Discord is, uh, Discord is essentially a chat server, a chat app that you can get. It allows you to create a server. You add people to that server and you create channels within it. 
just different little chat groups where you can talk about specific topics, play specific games, run specific bots and options. And it's a good place to build community and have discussions around a specifically moderated project. So for example, in the NFT community, I'm able to see everyone who's joining and interested in actually minting my project. I can see when they share and interact within um, the community so I can give you know giveaways and value to the people who interact to help me grow the community more. And it's a good way to get um, marketing projections for how this project's going to go, what it's going to be worth, how many, I, how much I can expect to um, gain from it, which helps me um, tune in my roadmap and what we're going to do around the project specifically and get that a little closer. You're allowed or you're able to get feedback the entire time that you're building up to that so that you can hone in on what it is that your audience really wants out right. of the utility. Right. It's a way to, it's almost a community built project in that sense where if, you know, if I was to place that the mint price of my project was a certain amount, which is way too high for the budget of the type of people I was attempting to attract, then I'm going to hear a lot of that in my chats before we even get to the mint date. I've seen um, jobs that completely change their mint price or the number of NFTs or how they're minting their NFTs just because of the way the community suggests that they do it. I've also seen projects that get so flustered trying to do everything that the community wants that they can't succeed as a project. So it's a double-edged sword. You have to be able to manage it correctly to have good moderators and people in whatever version of your chat room you You could do it on a website. I'm sure you could do it on social media. But Discord is where it's at as far as NFTs right now. You really can't get into them without it. I think there's a parallel there to being a almost being like a small publicly traded company and exactly. that you are doing this little dance to kind of make sure the shareholders are pleased, but you also don't, you can't give them everything they want because you are at the helm of the company for a reason. And it's that you have the experience to take it where it needs to go. With almost no barrier for entry. That's the other important part. And that's the crazy part here. But it's, I think, um, you know, we're probably going to see who has the experience and the, the know-how to make it work and who doesn't pretty quick. Well, I'm really thinking about the long game of NFT projects, at least for me, because I think a lot of companies, even large companies, um, are probably making bets that the NFT aspect of cryptocurrency is a fad and that 10 years down the road, they're unlikely to exist. So they're launching projects with very little utility right now, or they're launching like Disney, for example, is launching a ridiculous number of NFT projects and many of them don't have much utility behind them. I think 10 years down the road, there's going to be so many Disney NFT projects that Disney NFTs are like Disney toys at Toys R Us. They're not very valuable. They don't have any intrinsic value. I think a lot of companies are going to shoot themselves in the foot and think they can recover later on with better marketing, better branding, but smart contracts are forever. It's going to be much harder to recover uh, a lost reputation in the Web3 digital metaverse space, now that there are smart contracts, than it would be at any other time in history, which is really, really, really good for the consumer because it holds NFT projects to their, to their standard. The people who run away from their NFT projects can never come and try to sell something online again. No one would trust them. It's over for them. And that's maybe bad for them, but they're the ones who ruined their project. For me as a consumer, I don't want to buy from a scammer. And knowing, say someone's had been doing NFTs and doing um, business on smart contracts for years, that confidence I would have that they've been doing business with smart contracts, you know, inalienable, unchangeable documents for years and years and years, adds a level of professionalism I just don't think anything else can add right now. So I think... That was a really great way to introduce those green flags that we were talking about. And we started kind of getting into the territory of maybe getting to some of the red flags to look for. Right. 
Um, I think as an exercise to segue into that, one thing that would be really interesting is maybe if you were to give an example of, say, on a scale of one to 10, one being least utility, 10 being most utility, just from what you've observed in some of the projects you've seen, what would be an example of a one maybe in the utility scale? And what would be an example of a 10? A one is just pure art. Like artwork, artwork, artwork without any famous artist behind it. So if you're in the position where you're making art and you're out of one, you're like, hey, I'm just making art and I'm putting it out there and that's kind of what I'm doing. It needs to be very good art. It needs to be, it needs to be sellable based off its value as a piece to look at. Uh, 10 utility would be, I think the Gary Vee is the best example of 10 utility. His original art was literally just like a crudely drawn animal on a piece of paper and he drew 10,000 different animals and aardvark and elephant or whatever else and released them as NFTs. There was no art value in it whatsoever. The only value that was in it was what you could actually do with it, the events you could get, the exclusives. And not only, he released a few exclusive and things in the beginning, but what we knew going to that project was that there were going to be more for those people later on, the people who bought those NFTs were going to get, continue to get utility moving into the future. Because one, that raises the value of the NFT for resale within the market. And two, Gary Vee showed so in his roadmap. So months and months down the road from the release, people are still getting new announcement for exclusives that they're able to get, discounts, gift giveaways, you know, exclusive content, whatever it winds up being. And that's raising the value of those NFTs. And it's raising it just because, you know, he had a platform, people knew who he was, and he continued to put value out. I believe in five years from now, the people who have vFriends will still be getting business value from owning the vFriend. I bet they're much more expensive. It's like having a golden ticket to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, basically. That's the idea. And so it, the, by the reason that his was so specifically done the way it does is I think Gary Vee really understood the utility of NFTs before anyone else did. So while everyone else is trying to make the perfect art to attract attention, Gary Vee is ignoring the art and focusing on what the art actually provides the user. And now VFriends is one of the most successful NFT projects that's ever happened. And would you say that, in your opinion, really, really honing in and focusing on that utility is the more sustainable route with NFTs right now? In the long term, it's by far the more sustainable route. I mean, I think the... The thing is, if you're starting this project, I wouldn't be going one or the other. I'd attempt to have gorgeous art with utility behind it that relate. But I absolutely, absolutely believe that utility is going to beat out art in the long term as far as the UFC or the um, NFT community. The NFT community and the utility behind the NFTs is going to be what people are valuing moving into the future, not the art behind it. It really is about the contracts, the tickets, the events, the exclusives, the digital products that we all buy on an everyday basis that we're just buying through through Ticketmaster or we're buying through, you know, Facebook and Instagram or different means than um, the decentralized NFT marketplace. I believe someone figured out a perfect way to manage those transactions and to keep them honest and ethical without having to get government or big bank or big business involvement. I think there's a little parallel there for um, you know, just the utility thing, an example is just buying a new laptop. You could spend a hundred bucks on a new laptop and get something that will accomplish what you're trying to do, but it might right. fall apart in like a couple months. Or you could throw down a thousand bucks on a really, really quality laptop, and the utility is really there, and it's going to last, and it's going to really do what you need it to do over time. 
Exactly, exactly. And it's and that's the whole thing. It's like it's not that you didn't know you don't know the pieces in the laptop. You don't know what actually makes that laptop run. You'll know how to build an i9 processor. You'll know how to make a solid state hard drive. But you do know that, you know, Apple makes better very... lab right, exactly. Makes better laptops than Joe Smo computers around the corner. Exactly. And so because you know the creators of that computer, you know the utility behind the computer, you know what they offer, and you trust that their product is going to give that to you, that's why you buy it. You Joe Schmo Solar could come with a computer with an Apple logo on it and just say it does all the same things, and you're very unlikely to buy it because you don't trust what his utility is, what his history is, everything that goes along with Joe Schmo Solar or Joe Schmo um um, computers. And so with that being said, I think the utility is going to be what people are looking for in the future and um, actual personality and brand behind it. Like I said, Gary Vee and Apple and people in the public space have a much easier time doing this right now. There is a barrier of entry in that respect. So speaking of uh, going back to Joe Schmo around the corner, what are some of those red flags that you would be looking for as someone getting into? Uh, Unverified. That's a really big one. Um, social media. Of anonymous. The, uh, yeah, know. exactly. And social media of the actual person launching the project, not necessarily the project itself. So the person launching the project should have public social media. They should, they should be a, a public individual. You should be able to find their email address, find where they're posting. Because this is, so, you know, like exactly like you know where to find information about you know, Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey or anyone else who owns a major business, I believe NFT users should be putting themselves out in that exact same way. Or if you can look up the owner of an LLC just online if you need to. There's some things you should be tied to, so I think that is the number one thing people are looking for. Um, second one is lack of utility. People really pushing art as the reason that they're launching their project. Art is fantastic. If you believe the art's good enough, that's fantastic. But art doesn't often gain value over time in these marketplaces without utility behind it. And three, it's going to be the team behind them. A solo, the, I, from someone who's doing an NFT project with a smaller team, I'll tell you it's a, fa it's a fantastic amount of work. Uh, a solo team is not going to be able to do an NFT project. Even a two or three person team is going to have a very hard time of it. You're going to need a team of moderators, of programmers, of designers, of a million different kind of positions to get this started. So, and that can be built over time as the community grows, but I think it's very important to vet who is actually running this project because that's one of the only things that you can tie to in the beginning steps. Now, if you're getting into an NFT project, you want to get in the very, very beginning of the project. There are more giveaways. There are less people around the project. Things are cheaper. Things are easier to get in. And you get grandfathered into some of the better things in the project. If you hop in right last second, right before minting, you're generally paying a massive premium comparatively to the people who have been part of the community for a long time. So you have to take those early bets just based off of the, the personality and the roadmap and the utility of the people running the project. Makes total sense. Um, one thing I definitely want to make sure we cover here because we have used the word a couple times is the minting process. Could you maybe tap into that a little bit and just uh, explain what, what a mint is and what kind of goes into that? Yeah, minting an NFT or minting anything is just attaching a digital asset to a smart contract. So you, you mint cryptocurrency, which is essentially attaching a Bitcoin to a smart contract that then tracks the transactions and the dividing and the breaking up and fragmenting of that Bitcoin. 
So essentially someone creates a line of code that explains how this was made, when it was made, how many of them were generated, what it was generated for. It can, the, the code can say a lot of different things, but then to attach this digital asset as it's sent around, that code is always accessible and it can't be parted from that digital asset once it has been um, minted to the blockchain. It cannot be removed from the blockchain. So that smart contract is forever. And that can hold, that smart contract itself holds a lot of long-term proof. It's like a it's like a carving in stone as far as the digital age goes. You're able to put something down that really cannot be changed online no matter what. People say things online are forever, but you know, as we all know, there are things that people do online that get hidden for 10 and 20 years and no one even thinks about them. Smart contracts are not going to be that. One of the best examples, especially as we were talking about some of those red flags, Melania Trump um, got caught recently. She was selling a piece of art that she had done as an NFT for an auction, and the minimum bid wasn't reached at this auction. So it was seen that someone bought it late in the game and through tracking the smart contract transactions, they found out that Melania Trump's account, the same one that listed that original NFT piece of charity art, actually sent money to another account that sent money to another account that sent money to the account that bought this piece of art, which means she bought it herself, which breaks charity laws. It was much harder for her to embezzle this money and do it in this way with a smart contract. People are talking all the times about all of the all of the embezzlement that goes on in the NFT space. And I mean you you've been they people have been doing that through charity auctions forever. It's significantly harder in the NFT space because of the way it's tracked and the way that smart contract works. And minting's what allows us to do that. Very cool. Very cool. What are uh some NFT projects that you've seen that are a little bit more out of the ordinary from the usual that have interested you? Um, if I had to give one, it's going to be the Azuki Zen project. If you've been NFTs, they, they passed to number one on the, the OpenSea marketplace a few different times now. And a lot of what they did, they did a street anime style NFT release that was very art based. I know I've talked a lot against non-utility projects. They had a roadmap that was kept very simple. The artist who had done this art also was a character creator for a famous video game Overwatch. So he had a little bit of fame in that background just as a character designer. And people wanted the anime profile picture as much as they did anything about the utility of the project. Now, this community wound up growing into such a large project that the utility behind it has become massive. But the idea behind what these guys were doing is they made gorgeous art, they made a gorgeous website, and they promoted the art as valuable art and only valuable art and they owned what they did and said hey this is valuable because it's beautiful and because you want it you know and we'll be, we have you know merchandise and 3d models and things you'll be able to get in the future but it's all still based around this art this beautiful art and this character style that we're doing make a great profile picture for you and it worked they didn't have to put you know massive utility that's difficult to control behind their project they were able to just own what they did and be honest about it and they made more profits than almost any nft project ever has that's interesting and um you reminded me of something else i kind of wanted to touch on here with the uh the idea of the profile picture having an nft as your profile picture we've talked before about that a little bit and i think going back to the board apes yacht club example that's a that's a good example of it mm -hmm. there is obviously if you own it you have the ability to set it as your profile picture what is the how is that actually shown and verified though because you would think as someone who doesn't maybe understand it as well that you could just screenshot it throw it up as your profile picture and hey look i own one 
How is that actually shown? Absolutely, absolutely. Just like in the same way you could uh, go on, you know, any any website in the world and screenshot a piece of art and put it up as your profile picture. And there's value in having as your profile picture because it's pretty. But you don't actually own that piece of art that you screenshotted. You just have a screenshot of what it was online. And the advantage of that picture is that you actually own it. I like to use examples of... Um, we're very early in the process, so a lot of these people pieces of art haven't grown in value in any way. But let's say um, Snoop Dogg, that's a good example since we talked about him, decided to buy an Azuki that is mostly art-based as far as its utility. And it looks like him. Let's say it has, has a resemblance to him in some way, and he uses it for years as, a, as his profile picture. And then, God forbid, Snoop Dogg was to pass away for any reason. That piece of art... Please don't ever say that Don't again. ever say it. No, no, no. We don't mean it, dog. We don't mean it. Um, but that piece of art's value would go through the absolute roof. Or what if you made it an album cover five years down the road? Spent mm-hmm. profile picture on Twitter for five years. And it, the amount that the art can grow value for a million different reasons um, is a big reason people buy the art. And that's what you're buying when you buy the NFT. You're buying the value behind owning it, behind using it, behind it being yours. Not just having the visuals of it. I think that's something people have a really hard time getting their heads around. And I know um, there's there's something on Twitter, right, that shows you because a very popular example of where these are used is as tw- uh, Twitter profile pictures. Absolutely, there's something that shows that it's a legitimate original minted piece on Twitter, right? Twitter will verify the smart contract and make sure you actually own the smart contract, which is um, going to be expanding through other social medias very quickly, which means it's going to be very easy to go on and verify if the person with the NFT actually owns the NFT in question. Similar to like if you stole a car. If you steal my car, you can run around in my car and be like, well, same as owning the car, I have his car, ha ha. But you can't sell that car. You can't drive past a camera with that car. You can't really do very much with that car outside of just have it. You don't have the pink slip. Exactly. You don't have the history. I have the title to the car. I can do um, you know whatever I want with it. There's much more value in the fact that I own that car than actual the necessary aspect of having it physically. Just having the car physically, like screenshotting a profile picture, does have some value. But owning a car has three or four times the value of just literally having a car physically, like stealing a car and not being able to do anything with it or having a car that's worth literally dead nothing. Now, you clearly have gone down some rabbit holes with this stuff and have gotten very into it. What was the process of getting into this like and what were some of the resources that you've used to kind of educate yourself on this, you know, as kind of a parallel to someone who made be interested in getting into it, but hasn't begun that process yet and doesn't know where to start. Where did you start and how have you kind of continued to educate yourself on this stuff? Uh, first stop shop is definitely Gary on Vaynerchuk's YouTube channel. He is the um, the NFT father. He talks about it more than anyone else on the internet for sure, has some of the best predictions. And we'll link you to a few of the right spots to start. Um, I'm a big YouTube university guy. I just believe go on there, find the creators that are doing well who are talking about projects and you know, put in your 50 hours, watch the videos, put in the content time, actually find out what it's about outside. You know, if you're already listening to this podcast, you probably started that process already. And then past that, it's you're going to be joining a lot of Discord servers for projects you actually aren't going to buy. For projects where you're just there to see how Discord works, to see how projects work, to see what you're supposed to do to get whitelisted so that you can get earlier buys on a project. 
And then you're going to do that for 10 or 12 projects and you're going to find one you really like that gives utility that you really care about. And that's just about getting the Ethereum to be there on Mint Day and buy it. Mint it, and then you see where the project goes from there. Maybe you 2x, 3x, 4x, 10x your money, in which case you did a great job finding a project. Or maybe no one buys the project the day after Mint and the thousand people who actually purchase it, 200 people who actually purchase it are stuck with that piece of art for the rest of their lives. It's a piece of art they still own, but it didn't 10x their money. So I think that's how you start. You start with uh, 50 hours of research. You join the Discord groups. You join the projects, and you immerse yourself in the community. Get in on the ground floor. Exactly. Put pound paper. Boots on the ground. You got it. And then you find your favorite. You find your one, and you focus very specifically on that project. Get whitelisted. Be involved. Be a member of the community. Be there on mint night, sitting there ready to mint because you might sell out super quick. There are people who did that in high school for the Azuki project. I know Azuki minted for $750 a piece. I think it was. If I'm wrong, correct me. But it was under $1,000. It was a very cheap mint price. Azuki's now sell for, I mean, some sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I've seen high schoolers who made more money than I've made in the last couple of years off an Azuki flip. It's insane. And, and they might have put in a few extra shifts at McDonald's to save up that 750 bucks, And then, and then the research behind it so they didn't have to break their back. They just had to put their minds to work and decide, hey, this project is for me. I like this art. I know other people like this art. I see how interested these people are. I see how much they're offering to pay. I see how much they're sharing this project. There's no way these people won't buy this. And it works. Boom. Now, I know that you have your own <laughs> NFT project that you've mentioned a couple times. I want to touch on one thing before we get to this, but I do want to hear more about your project. You mentioned something called whitelist. Absolutely. Could you explain kind of as we're getting on the way to your project, we could kind of tie it in from there as you talk about your own whitelist. But what is a whitelist? Uh, I, I can do that. Absolutely. A whitelist for a project is essentially a, a pre-sale list where you have the ability to buy into a project at either a lower price or earlier than the general populace, populace does, than a general sale. A whitelist, what's really going through for you is going to allow you into a community early to get the cheapest possible price for your project. So for my project, the way you're able to get whitelisted, it's called Aiken NFT. It's actually very much inspired by Azuki, the one project we're talking about. I love that anime style art. My logic was to do our own version and style of that art that's already so popular and so beloved, but add the level of utility that I believe is necessary in a project behind it. And the way you get whitelisted for us is pretty darn simple. You just participate in the community. You share our posts, you comment on Discord, you make us your profile picture, you screenshot it and make it your profile picture. That's you know not something that's negative in the NFT community. Um, you can go and do that to promote a project, promote a Discord, and that's going to help you get whitelisted and also involve you in an NFT community. What we're using it for is to build our first, what we're calling our first 500, the 500 people who are obsessed with our project over everything else. That's our minimum whitelist number. We might give more whitelist spots away and giveaways and things of that nature as things go, but we're going to give 500 whitelist spots away to people who are most promoting and engaging in our project. And those 500 people are going to get discounted rates and an earlier chance to buy than everyone else. So if you're maybe a little bit lower on capital and you want to get into an NFT project, ours is Aiken NFT, A-I-K-E-N-N-F-T on Instagram. And I'll put the link to the Discord or Art. maybe a page where they can find out more about it in the show notes. Exactly. No, it's a Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. You can come find us on it. And essentially, getting on the whitelist is just about sharing and interacting with the community. So if you don't have as large of a budget out the gate, if you can only afford a certain amount, then doing that's going to get you the cheapest possible price for a project. 
what is the utility that you're planning to build into your project and what is um maybe just get into the utility and kind of describe your vision for that so i like to say the the idea behind my nft project is it's a it's almost in a form of a hedge fund. Everyone's going to be investing in this project, and we're taking a very small percentage of the royalty as profit for anyone who began the project just to basically offset costs. What we're doing is we're actually, we have uh, projects that are going to be taking a percentage of the royalties. It's going to be invested back into community-built projects. So people who are actually in the Aiken NFT community are going to propose projects and business plans and nonprofits and different things of that nature, and a percentage of the royalties will then be put toward the project that is voted on by the community as the most valuable or the most solid project. So it'll grow its own almost mini project ecosystem within it initially. Then as we continue releases, there's going to be more advanced art that opens up. We're going to open a series two art, which just brings our like very simplistic Azuki art to a full body artwork that you get. Cool. If you've already bought in, you're going to get that full body artwork. And then phase three, it's going to move you to a 3D model that you can actually use in the metaverse. So. You get your character as a profile picture, then you get your character as an actual full body model, and then you get your character as an actual 3D model that you can use within the metaverse. So that's a massive, massive piece of what our art is doing. The real piece of our utility is the fact that the money that you're spending, the royalties that are going to be built, are going to come back and invest in your own projects and things you want to do. Do you want to become a famous musician but you don't have money to rent a studio? Give us a heartfelt reason why, and the community will vote on why we should put money towards your studio. Every resale is going to make royalties. So this is going to be an opportunity for a very select group of people to have their projects invested in in a very small, um, exclusive hedge fund style way. Kind of a close-knit, you know, startup hub. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. That's the idea behind it, and I think a lot of it is going to attract one business-minded people who are looking to grow and gain that utility. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Devin, thank you so much for coming on. Make sure to check out the Discord link or whatever I end up putting in the show notes uh, so you can check out Devin's NFT project to kind of get in there, get your boots on the ground like we were talking about, and really learn a little bit more after you do your research, of course. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Brody. Absolutely. And um, this has been Profession Session with my guest, Devin Roberts, signing off. Thanks for watching Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vincent. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, or TikTok at Profession Session on all channels. You can also find my guest from this episode at the tag and details of this post. Stay tuned for new episodes and short little clips of deep dives into specific topics across all of our channels. If you know a young standout professional business owner or entrepreneur with a unique or interesting story, DM us anywhere and let us know and they may be the next to tell it here on Profession Session. Until next time, stay focused, stay hustling, and stay networking. This has been Profession Session.